1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call upon you to do a
0: service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are my interviews with the director for Society of the Snow, Juan Antonio Bayona, and the film's composer, Michael Giacchino.
0: ¿Sabemos dónde estamos?
2: ¡Mirame los ojos! ¡Mirame los ojos! No lo a... El avión no se ve. ¿qué pasa? por encima nuestro no van a ver. ¿Qué pasa cuando el mundo te abandona? Cuando no tenés ropa, te estás congelando. ¡No yo hasta arriba!
0: Cuando no tenes comida y te estás muriendo.
1: Si no comemos nos vamos a morir. ¿Comer qué?
0: Yo no me voy a quedar acá.
1: Juan Antonio Bayona, lovely to see you again. Yeah. How have you been, have you been since we last uh, talked?
2: Good, very good. I, it's great to have the people watching the film and discover the film. You know, it's uh, we're getting so great reactions at. at I'm I'm feeling pretty good, yeah. Thank you so much.
1: I'm glad to hear that. Last time you and I spoke, we had a lovely uh, sit-down chat where we went into the film in great detail. I'm going to do my best to do a Greatest Hits here with you over Fantastic. that. Um, I loved what you said regarding how your work on The Impossible really helped prime you for tackling Society of the Snow. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about how the two projects are similar, but also how you were able to uh, perfect uh, what you had previously done on that last film?
2: Yeah, the, the, the Impossible and Society of the Snow are very connected because actually I discovered the the book from Pablo Vierti, Society of the Snow while I was preparing The Impossible. So actually... It was a huge influence on *The Impossible*. Society of the Snow, not the other way around. Um, It gave me the book. Gave me a very good insight on the inner life of the characters going through a situation of uh, like that one, you know. Um, And I think that all the time that has passed since then, I mean, I've done more films. I feel more prepared. I hopefully, hopefully I have learned I have learned something in the in the, in the process, you know, and I'm kind of grateful that it took me that long to do this film because I I felt a lot more prepared now. I think, like a, like a general idea, I think society of the snow feels a little bit more complex than the impossible. The impossible is a story about the disaster of the tsunami in Thailand, of course, but this relationship between uh, a mother and her son. And it's this story of the son doing what the mother is asking for. But there's something very interesting in this one. You, you have one lead character in the center, the narrator, that he's, done, he's doing the right thing, but it's not enough which is something very interesting in these kinds of stories, because in these kinds of stories, they always tell you the one that does the best will get the reward at the end. But yeah. this is not the case. So there, there's, there's, it's a lot more complex in that sense. Actually, to me, this film, it's, it's a journey of self-discovery. He needs to understand his real nature. He, he needs to accept his, his shadows and be able to face them and, 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 to, and to be and to be like that, you know, which is, which is in that sense a lot more complex than the impossible. In that sense, I'm very proud of the impossible. but I think the story here takes one step forward uh, and in, in comparison to that film.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, just as a, on a technical level, your work here is extraordinary. I remember telling you uh, when I saw you at AFI Fest that I think you captured single-handedly the most terrifying plane crash I've ever seen depicted on camera. Can you tell me a little bit about what goes into creating something like that? Because clearly you can't have a real airplane uh crashing through the air into a mountain. (laughs) So what exactly goes into that, just on a logistical level of trying to plan all that?
2: So it's it's, um, finding the truth of the moment. I I sat down with the survivors. It's very interesting that they all have very different memories of the same fact. Uh, So I had to somehow find out what really happened, you know? And there's like two sections. Uh, One more, like the first section is more about anticipation. Very slowly things are changing. Suddenly there is like a big air bump, and then a second one, and then a third one suddenly changes very quickly. You are with them all the time in the plane. There are very few shots from the outside. So you really have the impression of being there. It's very immersive. You don't know what's going on in the cockpit. Uh, actually, we really don't know what happened in the cockpit. So out of respect for the pilots, we never get into, uh, into that situation. But at the same time, it felt a lot... Uh, uh, you, you can increase the anxiety but not knowing what's going on. And suddenly they found themselves in the middle of the Andes about to crash uh, <laughs> uh, with a, with a, in front of a giant wall, you know. Uh, um, and then there is a second part. They, they told me that the worst moment of the... Of, of the accident was not actually the, the first crash, but the the second crash when they, they crash against the snow, and all the yeah. seats like like um, like blended like an accord like an accordion and that and you know it's very interesting you know one of the references a very very funny reference that I gave to to the head of the department was the scene of Psycho, the shower oh, scene okay. on Psycho because it has the same structure. You know, it's like a like a like an ordinary situation that suddenly becomes extraordinary because something happens and it's like, pam, 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 pam. you know, it's a, and, 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 and that was the feeling I was trying to get, like like something that really, really hurt, even though you don't really see much. It's more about the sound. You know, yeah. there is not a single drip of blood. Uh, drop of blood in in, in that scene but is is the, the the anticipation the fact that you are them with them all the time inside the plane not knowing what what's going on and then this shock effect that almost hurts the audience that I think I that it's what makes it so effective
1: i I agree with that I, I remember uh thinking to myself wow most directors would cut the black on that impact and you didn't cut the black and that to me was more horrifying than anything um especially the sound the sound work. The sound work is really, really incredible in this film. Uh, but one thing that is a reoccurring theme in all of your answers every time I talk to you about this film is how much this, um, uncovering the humanity of the story was important to you out of respect to the survivors and to the victims as well. Um, I could sense that in even the moments where people might think the story might get a little grotesque at times. It never really goes in that direction. You're always searching for... The human element, the heart of the story. Um, And I think even through moments that can be described as horrific, tough to watch, you made it not only watchable, but an extremely moving and powerful experience for the viewer because it is so rooted in our innate desire to want to survive against um, what really seems like overwhelming odds.
2: Well, I, I can tell you that the, the, the reason I wanted to do this film is because when I was reading the book, I found myself actually crying for the dead, the people dying in that plane. And I, 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 I never thought about that way with this story. You know, it's all, every, every, it was always about cannibalism, it was always about uh, heroes. But what happened with that people? You know, yeah. these people who were responsible for these, the other ones to come back, you know. And actually that was the reason why I wanted to do this film. And I, I, I was very interested in, in the philosophical aspect of the book. It's, it's written 35 years after the plane crash. So it has all the depth, the gravitas of the time that had passed in the words, in, in the words of the survivors. There are very interesting conversations between the survivors and the dead asking questions and answer questions after 50 years, you know? Uh, And I was very interested how to touch that. Because when you work on a script, it's basically dialogue and action. How can you translate that philosophical or spiritual aspect to the story? And then it's because I was so interested in that conversation between the living and the dead that I found out by telling the story through a perspective that was a bridge between the living and the dead, I was touching that metaphysical aspect of the book
1: yeah yeah definitely you know you talked a lot about also immersing the viewer into the experience new ordeal that these people were going through i've very rarely maybe one other time in something like the revenant have i ever felt cold this Mm -hmm. much uh the way it's captured on camera in this movie now i know that you guys shot on location uh how much of that is real cold how do you convey that sense of what cold must feel like to the viewer that's watching because I, I was genuinely concerned for all of these people in this movie when I saw that depiction of how freezing it must have been
2: yeah I don't, I don't, I don't have enough words to thank what the cast did in this film the journey yeah. they went through chronological. Chronologically, they, 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 they went through all these emotions, the same emotions they went through, the survivors went through. I mean, the cold, because we shot in real locations, the hunger, because they were following a, a strict diet, uh, the mm-hmm. sense of isolation, because they were shooting in Spain, and they had all, all their families... Uh, in 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 Argentina, all their girlfriends, and for six months, you know, uh, and yeah. and if you notice that, if you if you can feel that, it's because they went through that, you know, and they went in the in the same situations, not the same situation, but similar situation. Not not only them, but the whole crew, like the yeah. the, the it's it's probably the most demanding shoot I've ever done physically, like yeah. like being exposed all the time to the weather conditions, like. Uh, But, you know, at the end, all those things that were making the work so hard, it was make the work better at the end. If you feel cold, it's because it's there, it's right in front of the camera. Actually, we shot the film like a documentary. It it was, the whole thing was happening in front of us. The actors were going through all that in front of us. And I gave them the freedom, I gave them first all the information. They had, uh, they established a connection with the survivors with the families of the disease we explore for two months doing rehearsals and then we let the things happen in front of the camera and we shot it almost as a as a documentary
1: yeah chronologically like you said i think only the opening sequence where they're boarding the plane you said that was near
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah right? the very first scene that we shot was when they come out of the of the plane the, f- the first day the first morning that was the very first scene and we shot everything uh, until the moment they are in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and then from, that was in, uh, and, and then we stopped for a month because they had to gain weight. They lose so much yeah. weight that we, we had to stop for a month. They, they and then we shot the, the very beginning in Uruguay, uh, the first scenes in Uruguay until they get the plane and at the very at the very end We shot the plane crash, which actually was very good because they they spent so much time together by that time that you can notice the chemistry the friendship in all those scenes because uh, They they were they were shooting for a hundred and um, I don't know 120 days So they they they, they they it's a long time. So the friendship yeah. in front of camera was real
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think most actors, you know, we we hear stories about one person maybe doing this in a lead starring role in a film, these physical ordeals. You have an entire ensemble of people that put themselves uh, out there like this and uh, really went through what sounds like a rewarding yet grueling experience at times. And yet so many of them are relative unknowns. Some of them, I believe, it's their first acting job in some cases as well. How did you find these people?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, we we spent more than six months uh, doing auditions during the pandemic, which makes it harder. Um, But it was, you know, it was such a, it was so hard, but so rewarding. We found ourselves so moved every day on set. You know, we had the luxury of telling this story, uh, tell it chronologically, going through uh, a shoot that I was allowing the actors to explore, to try things, to commit mistakes, you know? And to be in contact with the people who leave the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a luxury. And I can tell you, it was such a moving shoot. It was hard, but it was so easy to, to find ourselves in tears, having each other, uh, because it felt, it, it felt a, like a privilege to be able to tell this story.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm sure they all felt a tremendous amount of weight and responsibility to do this right, and I think you guys definitely did it right. That's for sure. Thank you so much. When you told me this little piece of information, my mind completely split into a bunch of pieces. Tell us how many hours did you shoot, and what was your first assembly cut for this film?
2: No, it was it was insane, but but, but it's it, it's because of a reason. I I think we we shot. It's, normally you shot like 50 hours for a film, we shot like mm-hmm. more than 500 hours, you know? <laughs> but because we shot, it's, it's insane, especially for the editors. The editors are the heroes, yeah. are the heroes of this film, I can tell you. But mm-hmm. first, we, we had the luxury of telling a tale at, at the same time we were exploring. So I yeah. allowed the actors to try things. I never stopped between takes. Because I, I hate those moments when you cut and you lose the energy, you know? And yeah. the actors prefer to keep shooting all the time. Also, it was so hard uh, to, the, the, the locations that we had, that, that plane was so small, there was no space to shoot. I didn't have a space to, to go there and talk to the actors in between takes, you know? So basically, we keep shooting nonstop all the time. And the, most of the time, we had 25 actors in the scene, so I shot with three cameras most of the time. So at the end, it was a, it, like every day we had like four or five hours of material that the editors had to watch had to and had to somehow uh, explore and then tell the story in, 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 in two hours and a half. But the, the truth is that it's very interesting. The other day I was talking with one of the editors who told me that maybe the first cut was three hours, three hours, 15 and, mm-hmm. and, 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 the, and the, the actual cut is one hour less. But he yeah. told me, but it's basically the same film. There's, there's nothing really out of the film that I, I, I really miss. Everything is in there. And, and, and to tell you the truth, when, when we show the film to the survivors, they yeah. felt, they really felt that it was a good account of what they went through. You know, so...
1: Yeah. At, I mean, there's no better audience to please, obviously. I mean, you could have shown this all over the world, which you are, uh, but at the end of the day, it's their opinion on this. I'm sure that mattered the most to you.
2: Yeah, and gave, they gave, gave, gave us so much. They were yeah. all, always so supportive. They never read a single line of the script. It was all about trust. It was all about that the first meetings that we had where I, I told them what was my idea. The idea of telling the story through this very particular perspective, where I was yeah. trying to allow them to use their testimony to give a voice to, to the anonymous heroes of the story, the ones that never were in the press. They were never in the. They were never in the press. They were. They, they, they were treated as astronauts when they came back. They were <laughs> everywhere, you know. Uh, but the other ones, they, they stay in the, in the shadows, you know, and, and to give them the chance to give something in return to these people who gave so much to them, I think is something that they really appreciate.
1: We're uh, coming to the end here. And while I could touch upon all other elements of production from cinematography to makeup, uh, there's so much that went into this. I can imagine, Juan Antonio, from hearing your responses and the way you talk about this film... I'm going to take a wild guess and say this is maybe the most proud you've been of, of a film that you've created. Is that accurate?
2: Probably, yes. Probably, yes. I yeah. mean, it was, it was the hardest shoot, the most rewarding. I mean, the, I love to work with actors, and the relation that I had that I with them in this one, I was blown away. I mean, yeah. and the reactions of the audience, I mean, the, the survivors, the, the families of the disease. Like having somebody coming to you to tell you is the first time I realize how important these people, my, how important my brother was for these people to come back, you know? When somebody tells you so, I mean, it goes beyond the, the cinematic experience. It goes, it goes beyond the film and it touches you in a very profound way.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: Laundry?
1: Yeah, I can't wait for the world to see this film, not only in theaters, but when it also releases globally on Netflix as well. Um, It's a really powerful and moving story. Um, And as we wrap things up here, I'm sure everyone's going to want to know what you have coming up next in the future. Uh, Are you able to tell us where we can look for your work (laughs) now?
2: Yeah, holidays. It's called holidays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you earned it. You worked really, really hard on this, so... Thank you very, very much, uh, Juan Antonio. I really, really appreciate the time once again, and uh, congratulations on the film. It really is something truly special you guys made here.
2: Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. Now they're going to die, after all that happened. You have the best mejores piernas the team. You have to por for others.
1: Everyone, I'm being joined right now by the composer for Society of the Snow Academy Award winner, Michael Giacchino. Michael, great seeing you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. How about yourself? How are you? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. It's my favorite time of the year right now where I'm just speaking with amazingly talented people such as yourself, watching great films, talking to other people about these films, making sure they see them. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's super important because a movie like this, what an important an incredible story. I really did not know much about what had actually transpired here with society of the snow. I I had heard rumblings in the past and I had also known that there was a popular movie in the nineties, uh, called alive. So I, I was somewhat familiar, but this movie completely knocked me out. I mean, this was a powerful, overwhelming experience. Can you tell me for you what it was like coming aboard the project, getting the phone call? And because I imagine there also had to be this tremendous amount of pressure to do a story like this justice.
0: Yeah, well, it wasn't a film that I was scheduled to score uh, uh, in the beginning, honestly. And it was, uh, you know, Juan Antonio Bayona and I have been friends for many, many years. And we have a relationship where he's working on a film. He'll bring it to me. I'll look at it. I'll give him thoughts. Any notes I have, and we discuss it, and then he goes and does it. And and you know, and he's in, he's an incredible filmmaker, and 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 uh, but we both love movies so much, so we both very always find ourselves in the same wavelength. So I will send things for him to listen to that I'm writing, and he will uh, send things for me to look at that he's working on, and it has nothing to do with him that that we're actually working on it together. It's just getting each other's feedback as friends, and that's what this was. And uh, he brought it to my house. Said, I want to show you what I'm working on. And I was like, great, let's let's watch it. So we watched it, and the moment it was over, uh, it, I was so um, taken by the movie. And so it was an emotional gut punch, as you know. And we went right to the piano and started talking about, like, oh, I was telling him, if I, if this, if I was working on this film, I, this is how I would make this feel. I would make it sound like... And I remember reaching inside the piano and just... Grabbing the strings and making this ugly sound, and and saying this is this is the sound of where they are. This is bleakness. You know how do you how do you get to that sense of bleakness? Um, because it, it's 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 very easy on a film like this to to overpower it with melancholy and 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 make it feel melodramatic. Uh, and we just started talking about how do you keep the balance of tone so that it never feels dishonest. You know, and again having this conversation. Not as somebody working on the film, but just as friends. Uh, but by the next morning, I was working on the movie. <laughs> and so it was it was a, a surprise, but also a, a, a great sort of uh, honor to be a part of a story like this, which which does go so deeply into the lives of these people who experienced this awful tragedy in the Andes uh, back there in the seventies. So. And as you said, yes, there was a lot of pressure on that in terms of wanting to be able to tell the story as honestly and truthfully as, as, as we could. And I, I, as a composer, understand that music can push people in many different ways. And I was constantly aware of the fact that if I wasn't very careful, I could take something that is impo- an important story like this and, and do it a disservice by, by being too too much you know or, or 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 so it was a it was a constant tightrope walk of of trying to figure out where the characters were emotionally at any given point in this story and just trying to be with them along that journey without i was there to support not to tell you know not to take over right. yeah
1: Totally. Um, And I remarked, I remember when I saw it at the AFI uh, Film Festival, I was like, man, this is not only an inspiring story, emotionally moving story, but there are elements in this too, where it is truly horrific. And your score needs to play upon so many different tones to, like you said, support. Mm -hmm. what Bayona is trying to capture here uh, because it's so multi-layered. This is a very deeply felt human experience that really took place, really happened. So how do you then transport the audience to make them feel like they're going along this journey? Music has that power. And as you know, through some of the scores you've worked on over the years, uh, you've been able to do that uh, successfully a number of times. So I'm just curious to know, how does something like society of the snow differentiate itself from some of the other scores that you've worked on and I'm not just talking within the realm of the type of story it is necessarily but is there like any kind of unique aspect to what you worked on here with society of the snow either from a production side or say maybe it was a quick turnaround or anything like that that just made this project unique
0: it what there was a Fairly quick turnaround. I mean, I think I wrote it in two and a half to three weeks um, and then then did some some, you know, changes afterward because he was still working on the cut, trying to get it to what he he felt was the right version of that film he, he told me he had so many hours of footage of this thing there's so much stuff it could have been a you know a 30 hour movie if he wanted it to be yeah <laughs> he, he probably could have told the story in real time if he wanted to uh, for you know over 72 days i don't want to divert from my original
1: question but what was uh what, what was that first initial assembly cut that you saw
0: um actually no my, my mine wasn't that it was maybe maybe it was two and a half hours or 240 oh, okay. or something like that so well, it wasn't basically like, the same time it, yeah. wasn't cra- it wasn't in It wasn't. It was within the realm, but it was about the police pieces that were moving from place to place. Maybe this is better here, or maybe this is. You know, you're constantly trying to balance out that 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 story, and uh, but at the same time, without disrespecting the truth of what was happening uh, on the ground there back uh, back in the 70s. So, you know, the the challenge on this for me mainly was, you know. I always like to say that I put myself in the place of the characters I'm writing for in order to write the most honest and truthful score I can. And it doesn't matter if it's a star Trek movie or if it's uh, star Wars or planet of the apes, I treat them all like real people, but this was a very different situation because these were, these were the stories of real people, you know? And, and so there was a, a, a need and a want from my point of view to be 100% honest and, uh, and, and truthful and to hold space for those characters in a way that you would, as if it were the person sitting right in front of you. So it was, a, 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 you know, I like I said, I like to say that I always do this thing where I put myself in the place, but putting yourself in the place of what they went through was a very different emotional experience for me than the normal uh, project, uh, you know. So, um, but I I felt very honored and very, you know, I wanted to do this for them. I really want, I felt it as much as, and you're doing it as much for yourself as anything else as well, but you realize you're also, it's it's a way of being there and experiencing this grief with these people, you know, and it's uh, so it's not always easy to sit and do that for, you know, eight hours a day, but it's, you know, it's what you do.
1: Yeah. And I think that, like I said, that emotion, it comes through. We yeah. can definitely feel it.
0: Yeah. So, I, I I'd always wanted to be on the side of, I guess, less is more in a way on a film like yeah. this, you know, you, 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 there's so much there in the story itself, in the actors' performances that who were all wonderful in yeah. JA's direction. And it's about, okay, what is my part of this? Because a lot of times you can go into a situation like that and go, okay, I got this now and I'm going to just put, put everything on top of this. and, and, it you can't do that in a story like this you have to really kind of look at it in a different way and only give it what it needs and that's it because one ounce more the audience you lose the audience and they you can do. tell yes they can tell oh. that you're you're telling it a, a, a slightly different story than the one that's really happening there in front of you
1: i've had so many instances where people said oh that music was very emotionally manipulative and i'm like
0: on a certain level, it's supposed to be, but yeah, there is right where you show your hands a little too much, and exactly, like exactly. Yeah. Look, the truth is, all art is manipulative. That's the point of art: is to right. get a reaction out of you. What, what, you know, any reaction. It doesn't matter what it is. That's yours to own. But that's what art does, right? So every time people say, "Oh, it manipulates," I'm like, "Well." Everything does. A painting does the same thing or a, or a poem or this. It's, it's it's it has a point of view and it's up to you to to look at that point of view and see if it is if it aligns with yours or it doesn't. That's that's the interesting thing about art. That's what it's there for. So, yeah, this 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 film is a, a a perfect example of that kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Can you take us through maybe one or two particularly tr- uh, tracks on this that you're very proud of?
0: Well, I mean, I I don't know if I would use the word proud. I can tell you that I have an emotional connection to a lot of the pieces on the film, obviously, mm-hmm. but some some are more some more prevalent than others. And I think there's a moment, you know, when they sort of after the avalanche and they're stuck in the fuel slodge for days, um, trying, and and they finally get out. That's a moment of it's a small amount of joy in a sea of sadness, you know, and I yeah. feel like that that was it you know when you see that hand come through and and i know the ja has always said that, that that scene for him was about the birth of a group of people who had decided to be a society you know that they were all going to do everything together and 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 his visually what he was saying was this this was the moment the moment that that was that book was birthed. As the hand comes through, it's almost like the mountain giving birth to this new way of existing in in uh, with with uh, this group of people. So that moment I felt very attached to. And then of course, the the thing you're waiting for the entire time through this grueling experience is when those helicopters come over that ridge and you can finally feel yeah, yeah. some sense of true joy and relief. And I think, you know, even for me working on the film, I could not wait to get to that moment where I was able to have that release and mm-hmm. feel this sort of catharsis uh, for everything that you've just experienced. Yeah, those those two are the ones that probably stand out the most.
1: They stood out the most to me, actually. So I'm really glad that you brought them up. Oh. We're, we're definitely aligned <laughs> here. Um, the other thing, too, I was wondering, the sound work in this movie is incredible. Yeah. Oh, my Beautiful. God.
0: Yeah. I so love working with sound guys on movies Mm -hmm. like, you know, especially in a film like this. And, and, you know, there's a tendency in the, I think, composers world to treat the sound people as enemies and I've never saw it that way. I, I grew up loving, like I, I was obsessed with Ben Burton and all the work that he did for Star Wars, as many other people were obsessed with him and, and rightly so. He yep. So I, I would spend hours learning as much as I can about what he did, you know? So when I'm in a room with people like that, I have nothing but amazing respect because I know that we are all on a team. And the one goal, if everyone is doing their job right, the only goal you have is what's what's on that screen in front of you. That's the only thing that matters, right? Yeah. It's not about the music I write. It's not about the sounds they create. It's about the story we're both trying to tell for that screen and for that experience and for the audience that's going to sit there watching it. So for me, I, I love that that, that sort of uh, collaboration. For me, that's a, one of my favorite parts of the whole process as getting in there and going, oh, I wrote a cue for this scene, but we don't need that. Let's get rid yeah. of it because the sound you created is, is, a, is amazing and is telling the story perfectly. I don't need to put a hat on a hat. You know, uh, and then other times they would say, Hey, this would be work if we just took all the sound out and just let music do something, you know. So it's really a back and forth. And, I, and if you treat it like a collaboration as opposed to a, an adversarial situation, I think that the fruits of those labors are always tenfold.
1: Yeah, I think so. Good, definitely. I uh, very, very uh, specifically, I, I can – different film, but I do remember when the Batmobile like starts up for the first time in the Bat-Band and there's no music. It's just the sound yeah. of the engine. And it's like yeah. – I can think of instances in this movie too where I'm sure it was like, let's try it with music. Let's try it without and let's yeah. see what gets the best emotional response.
0: Yes, and you have to be open to that. And if you take a if you take a position of, oh, no, I wrote this and that belongs there and you better not move it, like you're not doing anyone any favors, you know? no. Uh, yeah. especially yourself. And I feel like, you know, so again, for me, the fun is figuring out what's the best version and knowing that we were all part of figuring out what that best version was.
1: Yeah. Was there any uh, particular track that you worked on on this that went through many revisions until it finally found its final sound?
0: No, actually. Oh, good. <laughs> no, many of them were just uh, written and stayed as they were, you know, and it was more that when, when there were changes, it was more about, Oh, we found a different way to cut the film, and mm-hmm. which means w- we were going to land here, but now we're going to land here instead. So, how would that change the cue you did? You know, and I might then make an adjustment like that, but that was very simple and very different than, uh, no, it's not right, do another, no, it's not right, do another. Like that, 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 that is something that I don't really have a lot of experience with because I spend a lot of time discussing what. I want to do up front with the director and we talk about tone, we talk about story and we, I I try to make sure we're on the same page before I even write anything, you know, Uh, because otherwise you're just, you know, you're, you're you're going into a battlefield that you don't need to be doing.
1: Right. I was going to say too, so those conversations early on about, do I write music to theme? Do I write music to character? That all takes place. Early on, and you want to make sure yes. you have that. So when you get in the booth, uh, well, recording booth, I'm yeah. in, in your studio. You're ready to go, basically. Yeah,
0: you're writing, and you're, you're that way. When you start presenting things, it's it's everything you've already talked about, and it doesn't mean that it, it, it's it's one hundred percent perfect because it might be like, and JA might get an idea like, oh, well, what if we just got simpler right here, you know? Uh, and so it, it, the collaboration is always ongoing, and then that sparks another idea, and I'm like, well, I got one better. What if we got simpler? And then go out completely, you know, like there's always these sort of conversations that are uh, the fun part of putting this puzzle together.
1: Yeah, your your scores have been incredibly uh, varied throughout your career from heroic, triumphant to action-packed and thrilling. Uh, but here, I really got to say, like, I, I was so moved uh, by the story, by your work. I, I really, uh, and I don't mean this as a knock, I mean, it as a compliment, seeing as how many accolades you got for it. But I haven't been this moved by one of your scores since up. I was... Oh in tears by the end of this movie. And I think that cathartic release you talked about earlier, that does get something out of people. Um, it was like a tremendous weight had just been lifted in my body, like stop being tense all of a sudden. Right.
0: These films, especially you, you mentioned up or, or society of the snow. They're both, um, they're both about experiences that, that, that we're all going to live through, meaning we're all going to experience some sort of loss some sort yeah. of hardship. And these are films that accentuate those in a in a really realistic way. Uh, it doesn't allow you to kind of look away from the fact that no, death is a part of life, you know, and that can be easier to handle in a film that is more of a fantasy film. Mm-hmm. Uh, But even on something like Up, like, I feel like it didn't pull any punches with the honesty of what it was trying to say. You know, yeah. and 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 this was a similar experience in terms of you no, know, this is this is life. Life is death, you know, and death is life, and they are one and the same. And in many ways, and so when you're forced to confront that, you know, I feel like inside all those uncomfortable feelings that we don't like feeling, they they suddenly spring forth, and you're like, where where did this come from? You know, and and they come out in the form of. Uh, release in a shot like the helicopters coming over the thing suddenly yeah you feel permission to to let that out you know and it's a it's an interesting thing that happens and it really takes a particular kind of story i think to allow that to happen on a very natural level
1: yeah, as we wrap up here, um, I would like to know uh, you've attached yourself to so many projects over the years that have had sequels, and uh, of course, collaborators who want to have you come back again. Can you tell us what you have coming up in twenty twenty four to look forward to?
0: Um, right now, I'm working uh, on a couple of things that haven't been announced. I have a couple of pro a lot of projects for directing, obviously. Um, and then in terms of the, the film scoring, I'm sort of, uh, taking a slight break so I can concentrate on these other things and Mm -hmm. I'll score those as well as they go forward. So short answer is not a whole lot I can say at the moment, but there's stuff in the works. (laughs) Well, that's really
1: exciting though. I love that this new phase of your career is uh, blossoming at this point. It sounds like you're going to be very busy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It'll be the next couple of years should be
0: pretty busy unless I'll, I'll, Unless it all goes south. We'll see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I highly doubt with a man of your talent that that's going to happen. Michael, thank you for the time here. And also, too, on a personal note, thank you for giving me the lost soundtrack to listen to over the years. Uh, Oh, you're very
0: welcome. Well, you know, we're doing a concert April 27th in Honolulu, the 20th anniversary. You should go. (laughs) if If I go to Hawaii, if I go to Hawaii,
1: we'll see. All right, Michael, thank you so much once again for your time. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interviews with the director for Society of the Snow, Juan Antonio Bayona, and the film's composer, Michael Giacchino, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Society of the Snow is currently playing in limited release and will be available to stream on Netflix on January 4th. And it is the Spanish Entry for Best International Feature Film at the 96 Academy Awards, where it is up for your consideration for all eligible categories, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Score. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts.